The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to On The List, Episode 6. Today is August 23rd. My name is Austin Bristow II, and I am joined tonight by Jonathan Metzelar. John, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm actually surprised you passed up the opportunity to butcher my last name the way that I did with you when you were on uh, on the barrel. Oh, but man. I appreciate it. You're oh, a better man, man than I. We've got to restart. It's we're starting over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I What's honestly, up, I had legitimately Bristow? considered. <laughs> I legitimately <laughs> considered going ahead and purposefully mispronouncing your last name, doing like a Metzler thing like that or something like that. Um, and in the moment, yeah. I forgot to do it. So yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have blamed you, but you you come off as the better man, so it all worked out. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but. Uh, here we are. This is episode six of On the List. So, for those of you who haven't joined us yet, each week I will have a different writer from the Pitcher List staff come on and we'll talk baseball. We'll talk about what they've been writing recently and we'll do a little mailbag session where we will answer your questions on the air. You can send us those questions at community at pitcherlist.com. Send that to our email there. Or if you want to send them directly to me on Twitter, I am at Bristowski. John, are you on Twitter, my friend? I am. I'm. Uh, I'm at John J O N underscore E underscore Baseball. I really need to simplify that Twitter handle because it requires uh, about two minutes of explanation to spell it out. But yeah, that's my Twitter handle. John E Baseball. See. Okay. So my fiance was listening to the last episode of On the List, mm-hmm. um, and we got through about this portion where I introduce my Twitter handle and everything like that. We haven't even started talking and she already gave her first critique and she was like, you need to change your Twitter handle. It's too hard to explain. <laughs> People are gonna know yeah, I'm in the exact same up. boat. It's like, oh, I don't know. The simpler, the better. That's what I found out. Yeah, we gotta get that Alex Fast 8 going on. <laughs> Very straightforward. Unfortunately, our names aren't as simple as Alex Fast. Um, Man. So we're, we don't have that going for us. But. I could only hope. Everyone go follow Alex Fast 8. He's a great follow. He's got lots yeah. of really, really interesting content. Way better than mine. I mostly just retweet every time the Braves uh, win. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, you're more active than I am. Uh, if I retweeted every time the Mets won, I wouldn't have any tweets. So that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and we already got our first Mets dig in. We're doing so well. Yeah, there's at least a couple every time I'm on the air. There really ought to be if you think about it. So mm. I'm I'm not disappointed. So. Uh, so yeah, why don't we go ahead and get into it? You know, I've got a few questions I like to ask every time so we can kind of get to know our writers from a baseball perspective anyway, figure out where you're coming from in your life. So let's get in on into those questions. So first one, I'd like to keep it really open-ended. Why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself, man? Yeah, so I'm Jonathan Metzler. Uh, I live out in New York City. Uh, I grew up on Long Island, been living in uh, New York City for the last 10 years or so. Uh, big Mets fan. Um, in terms of work, uh, I've done a lot of different things in my life. Used to be a lifeguard, uh, park ranger, retail, worked at McDonald's for a bit. Um, but right now I work for the city's parks department and uh, I work in a division called the wildlife unit which deals with all the different animals that live in new york city uh, i don't have any kind of background in that so it's it's always interesting i'm always learning something new um but really most of my day is spent uh, listening to baseball podcasts watching baseball reading about baseball uh it's definitely one of my biggest passions in life for sure i just I just love the game. Uh, it was a big reason I wanted to be a part of the pitcherless community. And uh, yeah, I used to make some videos about baseball uh, last year called Johnny Baseball. Um, those were a lot of fun for me. I'm hoping to pick that back up sometime soon. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I dig it. So I got to ask, as someone who was raised in a town of 12,000 people total that has never mm. been to New York City and doesn't really <laughs> understand how big cities work, what kind of wildlife are you dealing with in New York? Um, surprisingly, a decent amount. Uh, most people don't see or interact with them because they mostly live like in the city's parks and stuff. Um, but yeah, we got lots of squirrels, lots of raccoons. We got some coyotes up in the Bronx, actually. Um, we got red-tailed hawks. We got parakeet falcons. It's a, it's a veritable Noah's Ark out here. We got a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, most people are surprised to learn that, which is actually a big part of the job is just kind of educating New Yorkers on the fact that there are actually other animals that live in the city, um, which most people are surprised to learn. I mean, again, I'm not a New Yorker or anything, never been there, but I'm surprised <laughs> to learn it. So there you go. Yeah. Well, the humans are, are the, the craziest animal we have here. And there's a lots of them. You're not wrong. <laughs> well, that sounds really interesting. Like I said, that's that is quite the quite the you know occupation there. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty like I originally started working for the parks department as a park ranger, and I only got into that because I wanted to wear that that cool hat that they have. <laughs> um, so that was pretty much my segue into the into the agency, and then from there I just kind of worked a bunch of different odd jobs, and now I'm working with wildlife for some unknown reason. So, yeah, it's fun. It's interesting. It. That's cool. All right. Yeah. I uh, so I live in Peoria, Illinois, but I'm which is a city of like you know 120,000 or so, so decent mm -hmm. size. But I live towards the edge, towards like the north end, and. Um, because we're like right on the edge of town we still get some of that wildlife and stuff and so like i'll get deer in my yard all the time my fiance is so upset because the deer keep eating her garden 
Jeez. Yeah. So, That's crazy. There you go. Yeah, we actually have deer in uh, in the city. They're they're overrunning uh, Staten Island right now, and the mayor has uh, <laughs> the mayor has decreed that they should all be sterilized. So what they're doing is they're sending out these teams to like tranquilize them, and then they perform vasectomies on them. Pretty banana, pretty bananas, honestly. That sounds yeah. more. I see. Okay, so <laughs> tangent. Here we go. We're gonna talk about deer. <laughs> so in my hometown, um, again, I'm from the country. I'm from mm. a rural town. I my graduating high school class was 120. So um, in my town, we legitimately had a, an infestation of deer for a while of white-tailed deer, and mm. so all they did to fix it was tell the hunters, hey literally open season that like you've heard the term open season that's right. what they do when there's too many deer they just let the hunters go wild you don't have to tag them because usually there's a limit on how many uh deer you can shoot per year um and mm -hmm. how many you're allowed to tag and things like that so that we don't destroy the population but when there's too many they just tell the hunters to go crazy and it works yeah, I was going to say, like, in any other city or place, you can just tell people to just go hog wild and, and just blast all as many deer as you can, like, right in the face. But, uh, <laughs> you know, in New York City, the they have such strict rules about discharging firearms with good reason. Um, yep. So they don't they won't even allow it when it comes to deer. So what they have to do is, is sterilize all of them through surgery, which is crazy because in, in New York City, you're dealing with uh, a, about 2,000 years so right now on an island so there's nowhere really for them to go um, but yeah I mean that's that's one of the things that I deal with in my job and it's it's just it's pretty nuts all right folks so we are 13 minutes into this fantasy baseball podcast and you've mostly just heard about <laughs> deer so uh, there you go uh, you never know what you're gonna get on the list yeah. All right, man, let's get back to baseball. So how many fantasy leagues do you play in, and what's your favorite type of league to play in? You know, points, roto, dynasty, whatever mm. you think. I'm playing in four this year. Uh, I usually try to keep it to around three just so I can have a life outside of fantasy baseball. Um, but, yeah, I obviously added the, the pitcherless league to my rotation this year. Um, generally, I like to play in roto leagues just because – I like to remove as much luck from the equation as possible. I feel like with head-to-head, -head, you really – and this is something we'll probably talk about later when we talk about uh, Stephen Honovich's team okay. in the Legacy League. But you you kind of leave yourself open to just sequencing, just running into bad weeks or, or bad luck or bad matchups. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can have a solid team in, in something like head-to-head -head and, and end up in a situation where – you know, you don't even make the playoffs. So I like Roto. I just like that it, it takes into account the entire season as a whole. Um, and yeah, that's definitely the, the majority of the leagues I play in are Roto. So that's definitely, uh, definitely what I look for. I gotcha. All right. Yeah. See, I've never done a Roto league. I've just, it, it, to me, it's just watching a spreadsheet fill out and it's not as fun. <laughs> I like See, I get, the, I get the, you know, wanting to, dissolve as much randomness as possible. I totally understand that argument, but for me, the randomness is what makes it fun. Because in, like, in real baseball, you know, randomness is often what decides playoff series. So, I am totally fine if that's what happens in, 
fantasy baseball because it's kind of how real baseball works. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great point. And uh, fortunately, there's just so many different formats in fantasy. You can find the one that's that's right for you. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, that's that's actually a big reason I don't really play fantasy football is I, I don't like the the luck aspect of it. Um, I, like, I have no place winning a fantasy football league, but, you know, there have been years where I've played in them and I've won, um, which kind of just speaks to the fact that anything can happen. Um, which, as you as you're saying, is, it does make it more exciting. So, sure. Uh, the reason I don't play in fantasy football leagues is because I think I could name maybe three, maybe four NFL players that are currently in the league. Yeah, likewise. Like, but uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, oh God, what's Gronkowski's first name? <laughs> that that might be it, folks. Rob. Rob, Rob Gronkowski, you're right. There you go. <laughs> two minds are better than one. Between the two of us, we were able to figure out Gronkowski's first name. This is why we're not going to be writing for QB list, by the way. No, we are not writing for QB list, and all of our readers are thankful. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So you said yourself you're a big Mets fan. Um, did that come with the name, or was that like a thing that just happened living in the city? Um, it's really, you know, I, I think it's probably the same reason anyone roots for a baseball team. Either they knew someone growing up who rooted for that team or it just kind of happened. Um, unfortunately, my last name does have the word Mets in it. So I've been kind of uh, ushered into this uh, lifestyle. I, I always joke that I my last name isn't Yankees Alar, but my life would have been so much easier if it was because <laughs> then I would have an excuse to just root for the Yankees. Um, yeah, just kind of something I fell into, unfortunately. Uh, it's, you can't choose your family and you can't choose your favorite baseball team. That is a great quote. I've never heard that one, and I <laughs> dig it. <laughs> so do you have a favorite player? Because even though the Mets may not be the best at the moment, they have had some great players over the years. Is mm. that a favorite player? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cliche, but I got to go Piazza. It's my all-time yeah. favorite Met. I actually dressed up as him one year for Halloween. Um <laughs> That's how much I was a fan of him. I also like Ray Ardonia's a lot. He was kind of like a little-known uh, shortstop for the Mets. He was like a defensive whiz. And, uh, yeah, I just loved watching him play defense. So I think it's I a toss up. heard that name, so there we go. Mm, yeah, Ardonia's and Piazza. Two opposite ends of the talent spectrum, but equally beloved by me. I dig it. So uh, what do you do outside of the baseball realm? You know you talked about your job a little bit there. Uh, what, what are your, some of your hobbies, things you like to do that don't involve uh, hitting a rock with a stick? Uh, video games. Love me some video games. Um, yeah, I'm a pretty big video game fan. Um, I like to watch movies. I'm pretty big into movies, love music. Um, I don't know. I like to dabble in a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, I would say... Primarily, when I'm not watching baseball or talking about baseball, uh, I usually am playing video games or watching some movie or uh, Netflix. So I dig it. So, uh, um, what are you playing right now for a video game? Uh, I've been hardcore addicted to this game, Clash Royale. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's a it's a mobile game. Um, so the thing about mobile games is they follow you around. You can't escape them. That's true. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's bad. Like, you know, I, I'm most 
mostly into consoles. I really like. Um, I'm trying to think of a game that I just finished. I'm really looking forward to the new Spider-Man game. Oh, but, sick. Uh, very much so. It looks so sick. It looks so freaking good. I'm so hyped on it right now. But uh, yeah, in terms of games that I recently played, uh, Bloodborne for PS4. That game was was sick. It's a great one. Um, yeah, uh, Uncharted. Big fan of that series. The Last of Us obviously is a classic. Of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I just miss the old days when I could just sit down and, and devote eight hours a day to video games. But unfortunately, that's not my life anymore. If, if only, man. Why, 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 why do we have to keep going to these things they call jobs? Yeah. Someone, What's up with that? Someone just needs to give me money so I can play Fortnite all day. It's all about the man. He's trying to keep us down, dude. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Do you? Uh, I know you're into Fortnite, but uh, I play a lot other of Fortnite edit? because I'm a 12 year old girl. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, I so fun story. I I have actually been playing PS4 on my former college roommate's PS4. I graduated in May, and he um, was going out of state for an, an internship. So I kept his PS4 for the summer so that he wouldn't have to take it with him or pack it up or anything. So I've been using mm-hmm. that all summer, and I just, this last weekend, bought myself a PS4 off of Craigslist that included a list of 15 games. So I'm playing some these games, uh, some of which I've never heard of. I just tried out one that was called Agents of Mayhem. It wasn't mm. great. I played a, through about a quarter of the campaign, and I didn't want to go any further. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, First of all, why would you do that to yourself? Buying a PS4, you're, just, you're really just asking, asking for it, man. Ooh, are you the amount of hours... Man, or? No, I'm just saying video games are just, they're a time sink. You're, oh, I mean, uh, you're not going to have time to do anything. That's why I got it. What else am I going <laughs> to do with my life? I live in Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point, actually. What's uh, So what's next on the docket for you? Uh, what's, right ne- what, what's the next game you're going to tackle? Uh, right now, I'm working my way through, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Uh, Watch Dogs. Oh, I heard good things about that. It's an older one. Uh, I think it came out in 2013, I think, something like that. Uh, But um, my brother, my younger brother, played through it and loved it. I have not actually played through the whole thing, but I've heard amazing things about the story specifically. So I'm working on that one. After that, I'm not sure. i got to get through. Like I said, most of these I haven't even heard of, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, where I go from that point. Yeah, I'm excited for you. I wish I could live... I wish I could live your life. I want to live in Peoria. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's uh, let's you know get back on topic as if tangents yeah. aren't a thing that just go along with this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I wanted to have John on, and we're going to talk about the Pitcherless Staff Leagues. So for those of you who are unaware, we do have three different leagues this year that are all made up of mostly pitcherless staff. In our uh, in our Futures League, we do have a few folks who are uh, who are our community members who got in through the uh, what was then the Slack channel, now the Discord server. If you guys are interested in getting in on that, it's a great time. Uh, it's got all the pitcher list and QB list staff. Uh, if you want to get into that, you you can support us. 
on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash pitcher list. Come hang out with us in the pitcher list or QB list community channel. You can talk baseball all the time. I'm in there every once in a while, especially every time the Max Scherzer pitches. I'm in there, so it's a great time, and I would highly recommend getting in there. But myself and John here are both members of the Prodigy League. That is the middle league of the three. So we've got a kind of a hierarchy going on. The Prodigy League is the middle one. But we're going to talk about it first because it's the one that we care about. So I want to start us off uh, with a question from our community channel. It's actually from one of our writers, Miles Nelson, who's also a member of the Prodigy League. Uh, Miles has a question for John. Uh, he, he says... John, can you please win this week? I'm not saying I'm scared to face Austin, but just not interested in playing against Trout and Scherzer and Kluber and Matt Carpenter. Your team is good too, but just win for me, okay? That is an exact <laughs> quote. I didn't make that up yeah. at all. I mean, I, I think it's pretty funny that he says he's not scared of facing you, but he's just not interested in playing against Trout, Scherzer, Kluber, and Carpenter. I mean, uh, it sounds like you're scared, Miles. Sounds like you're real scared. He's shivering in his boots. I, I don't blame him, honestly. I was pretty bummed that uh, I had to face off against you in the first week of the playoffs because uh, I think your team was one of the ones that scared me the most of, of all the teams in the league just because you pulled off some trades earlier in the year where you got Scherzer and Kluber. Uh, I forget. You might have picked up some other guys, but... Yeah, it's made your pitching staff just pretty much unstoppable. Um, it's a good team. So, yeah, every time you go into a matchup with, with Austin, you just know you're not going to win ERA or whip. Um, so you're already down. Yeah, so uh, in the Prodigy League, we've got things set up a little differently than in the, um, the Legacy League, which is our top league, and our Futures League, the... What we'll call the bottom, but they're a lot less important. They're just got in. <laughs> they're just chronologically they're just late. <laughs> All right. So in our league, we had 18 weeks of regular season, as opposed to the other two leagues where they had. Let's see, how much do they have here? Like 22, I think it was. Yeah. So we are already in the second week of our playoffs here in the Prodigy League because we have three week. Uh, three rounds of playoffs that are two weeks each and we're we finish one week early um, so what's interesting is uh, there it was not a coincidence that I chose to have uh, Mr. Metzlar here on this uh, at this time because John and I are facing each other in the first round of the Prodigy League playoffs and it is a doozy mm. Yeah, it's a close matchup. Uh, I think I, the first few days I was ahead like 9-0 and or something, and then you came back and took the lead. I think it was like 6-4 maybe. And then we've been tied for a couple of days, and then today I think I might have pulled ahead by one. So, yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's I, I think it's going to come down to the last day, and uh, that's actually what happened in our last matchup. On the last day, I think Aaron Hicks scored a run or something and that's what gave me the win so i believe you're yeah, right that it's sounds al right it's always uh it's always a tight matchup whenever we we face off so this should be a good one i'm excited so right now i'm looking at it and uh 
You are up at the moment. You're winning five categories. I'm winning four, and we're tied in wins. So mm. I was not excited to face you in the first round because of your offense. You have led the league in both home runs and stolen bases all year. Your stolen bases are actually ridiculous, and it's basically overkill at this point. Here, let me pull this up. Uh, okay, so if we look at the stolen bases by team, uh, Cindergarden Cop, which is uh, Mr. Metzlar's team name there, they have 182 stolen bases. I have 84 on the year. So you have almost a hundred more than me. The second place team has 125 to your 182. You got all the steel specialists. It's yeah. ridiculous. Well, this is why I hate head to head. Cause it's like, you know, I'm crushing stolen bases, but I have nothing to show for it. I'm like the sixth seed. I got a face off against you in the first round. You know, it's not uh it's not cool, man. Yeah. Well, it wasn't supposed to be like this, man. I, I I don't want to like toot my own horn, but I'm going to toot my own horn for the sake of history. Um, because for the majority of the year in this league, I have been in first place. I've been doing really well. Like uh, John said, I pulled off some trades, and I traded for both uh, Max Scherzer and Corey Kluber. Uh, so my pitching staff is great. I've had Mike Trout all year. Uh, Matt Carpenter has been on my team all year. I even had him when he was awful, and I stuck it out, and I got great results. I got lucky. I got, it was, I got lucky. I had a really good draft. But um, So I've been in first place for the majority of the year. However, the last three weeks going into the playoffs, I had a three-week losing streak that kicked me not out of first, not out of second, but into third place. And the first, first and second place teams get a bye in our playoffs. So that was so painful for me because I, all I had to do was win one of those weeks and I would have had at least the second place bye. Yeah, you ran into some tough luck, man. Um, I did. It was unfortunate. That's what it is. <laughs> but I mean, hopefully you can pull out a win here. I'd be rooting for you if I wasn't uh, facing <laughs> off against you. I was going to say, did you just say you, I could pull out? You hope you can pull out a win against yourself? <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, John and I have got a really, really close matchup, like we said. But uh, we don't want to talk all about ourselves here. Over on the other end, we've got uh, Jay Dunbar, Jason Dunbar there, facing off against Jeff Davis, who I had on uh, about a month ago now. They also have a really close matchup going on, but holy cow, is Jason's offense ridiculous. Jason has 23 home runs. Of course, you know, we're in the second week of this still, but 23 home runs, 65 RBI, 70 runs. It's nuts. On the other side... Um, Jeff is over there with 110 strikeouts and seven saves. So, I mean, right now they, um, Jason is winning all five hitting categories and ERA. That's the only difference right now is he is barely ahead in ERA, and Jeff has got all the rest of the pitching categories. So we've got two very, very close matchups, and we are coming down to it. There are only three days left after today, and it's going to be interesting in both accounts. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. Uh, it's going to be an uphill struggle for whoever wins just because KV's team has torn it up this year. He went 13-5. and five. Uh, Miles Nelson obviously has a great team. He went 12-6. and six, So, 
Yeah, it's going to be crazy. The top two teams get to go onto the uh, Legacy League and play with the uh, the Hall of Famers. So, oh man, it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be great. Yeah, the t- like you said, the top two teams are moving up, and so that's a look at that segue. We're moving on over to the Legacy League here. So, this is the league that a lot of the folks who were here prior to our uh, 3.0, Petulus 3.0 edition of the staff. So these are all the guys that you've been reading for years on Pitcher List. Um, whereas, you know, John, myself, Miles, all of us um, jumped in this past off season. So these folks over here, uh, we got, you know, Nick Pollock, Alex Fast, and they are going at it. If we check out just the standings right now, um, we've got Max Posner in the top spot but only a game or half a game even behind him is Alex Fast. It's been a crazy year uh, as far as this because there's a bunch of teams that are all very very close uh, to the top. I believe that. Let's see. One, two, three, seven. There are seven teams right now that are playing for six playoff spots and they are all just within three and a half games of each other. It is nuts. So, very, very close parity there for the competition. But we have to take a moment and just appreciate what a heck of a season Steven Honovich has had. Holy <laughs> cow. Steven, if you yeah, are listening, uh... you have my condolences, man. You have stuck it out. You are still making adjustments to your lineup, and that is commendable. Yeah, if you're listening, man, um, your team's legit. I feel for you. I I think you know fate should have had something better in store for you, but it just just wasn't your year, man. He's uh he went two and sixteen to this point, uh, with one tie. Um, he's still giving it a valiant effort, but yeah, just some just some tough luck he's run into. It's absolutely like I was talking about before, though. Yeah, like I. You know, his team just on paper isn't that bad. He's got Rendon, uh, he's got Kane, Dickerson, Joe Mart's had a pretty good year, uh, Price, and, and his pitching, he has Price, Carrasco, Tyon. You know, those aren't bad pitchers. Just uh, looks like he rolled the dice on a couple of guys and didn't really work out. Um, fortunately, his Gio, Gonzalez, who I think we're going to talk about a little later. Um, yeah, just just some, some rough luck for Steven, but... Uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles, you know? It is. It's. is. I'm looking at his uh, yearly schedule up to this point. Steven had a... He started off the season with a lovely nine-week losing streak, getting his first non-loss in a tie uh, the week of June 4th in the 10th week. He then lost a few more, and in week 15 got his first win on July 22nd so he went all the way until late July before he tasted victory this year that's amazing like what's what's even more is it's not like he's you know given up and stopped paying attention and just left it as a ghost team he's he's made some trades he's done everything he can it's just nothing has gone his way this year and it's it's a shame honestly yeah, I mean that's that's actually the funny thing is uh, one of the better teams in the league, uh, Ian Post's team. Uh, I I was taking a look at his, at his team at his roster earlier today, 
and I went into his transaction log and it looks like he hasn't really touched his team at all in, in over a month. So it's just kind of funny that some guys, you know, can just be micromanaging their teams all season long and just things don't work out and other guys can just draft a team and essentially forget about it and still find their way into the playoffs. You know, man, it's like you said earlier with these head-to-head leagues because what we're playing here in all three of these leagues, they are head-to-head categories. Um, We're trying to keep it as basic as possible and so we can relate it back to the listeners here. But uh, in these head-to-head leagues it really can come down to luck sometimes and if your luck is really really bad you could end up with a season like Stevens if you got great luck and everything's going your way you might end up closer to Ian's because he's doing well he's got himself pretty firmly planted in the playoff race here so it's just going to be interesting so what's worse is that uh, the the just as the top two teams from the Prodigy League are moving into the Legacy League the bottom two teams from the Legacy League will be booted down to the Prodigy League. So, Ian, uh, if I don't make it to the championship, looking forward to playing with you next year, buddy. <laughs> so Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just glad that, you know, being in the playoffs now assures me that I don't have to uh, get shifted down to the Futures League. With all these, uh, these all these wannabes. <laughs> Man, throwing some throwing shade. league shade. My goodness. So, well, I don't have to face any repercussions. So that's that's why I'm doing it. That's true. You may as well. <laughs> so if we check <laughs> out the futures league here, uh, these are the folks. Um, again, it's another group of folks. We want. We had too many people who were interested in playing in the staff leagues this year. We were going to just do two, and then all of a sudden we had a few more that were like, "Hey, I want to get in," but we already had our two leagues full. So we threw together one more real quick. We even drafted a couple of a uh, couple of folks from our community channel, like I said before, and we threw together this league right at the very end. I think they finished their draft after opening day which was fun because at the time I was the one writing the staff league review uh, so I had to be like yeah they're almost done great <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean hopefully we can uh, actually expand the, the the leads a little bit next year to get some more guys uh, playing that'll be that'll be a lot of fun maybe make it like 14 16 teams should make things even more interesting I'm all about it. Yeah, I mean, as long as I can get Trout again, hey, I'm all good with that. <laughs> easiest pick. It's the easiest pick to make. He's there. Do you remember him. how I was awarded the first pick? Uh oh, yeah. It was uh, it was like the final four, right? Uh, it was more. We, we did uh, so. Yeah. If I remember correctly, how we did this for determining the draft order, instead of just doing random, we wanted to make it a little more interesting. So during March Madness, um, each league uh, selected one of the divisions for uh, the March Madness tournament. And um, how it worked was, first come, first serve in our league, uh, you picked a team to represent you. Um, And if they won, you were going to pick in the top half of the um, of the draft. So you pick somewhere between one and six if your team won. However, 
the de determination between one and six be made in reverse order of s original seeding for the team that you selected. So I believe the guy who picked Kentucky hits team one and uh, he got the sixth pick, if I remember correctly. Um, I know absolutely nothing about college basketball. So I sit here going, okay, huh, how am I going to do this? And I'm trying, honestly, at the time, I didn't really understand these rules. Like, I was like, okay, so if I win, good things happen. If I lose, bad things happen. I can handle that. <laughs> um, but the rules beyond that were confusing to me. I, I finally understood it after everything went down. I ended up picking the next to last seed. Um, oh, gosh, I can't even remember. Uh, Buffalo State. I picked Buffalo State, who was playing Arizona. Um, and the Buffalo State Bulls were set to play Arizona, and everyone was saying that it was going to be a lockdown for Arizona there. And so, uh, Cinderella celebration there. The Bulls pull it out. They shot a lot of threes. That was the only game of the tournament that I actually watched. And I was so excited because I was going to get the first pick and I was going to take Mike Trout and it was going to be great. And everyone else was so confused. <laughs> yeah, I was in the exact same boat as you. I don't know anything about college basketball. I pretty much made my pick based on which team had the prettiest colors on their logo. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, unfortunately it didn't work out as well for me as it did for you, but can't complain, man. You got Trout. You got all these uh, ace pitchers on your staff. You're looking pretty good. I'm enjoying it. So if we take a look at the Futures League here, uh, for the majority of the year, uh, it's been one guy in the first seed. It's been Ben Chang, all about Ben. And he's been absolutely dominating until very recently when he's actually kind of come back down to earth here. He and the, his team, the Hans Molmen, like I said, have been in first all year. They've got Matt Carpenter on there, Scooter Jeanette, Eugenio Suarez. So they've got quite the offense going on. And he's even got Max Scherzer to lead his staff as well. But recently, there's been a couple newcomers up in the top end. So uh, let's see, Acuna Moncada here. That's going to be Austin Parado is taking care of that team. And the and House Acre or Acre. I'm not sure. Tim, I'm so sorry for not knowing how to pronounce your last name. Uh, it's either, how dare you? How dare how I? How dare you? My gosh. <laughs> Is his first name pronounced Tim? It's probably time. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I think I think you're safe with the Tim. <laughs> you so, of all people should be pronouncing everyone's name correctly. Gosh, I'm the worst. <laughs> but yeah, both Tim and Austin recently have been coming on up. They're now only a half a game back. On Ben, I, he, like I said, he has been way out in front for all year, and uh, they are making their way into the picture here for that first place spot. Uh, Mike Wexler is looking good. We got Brennan Gorman who's looking good. Only a game back on uh, Ben there. So there are teams that are very, very much in it, and just like in the Legacy League or uh, in the Project League, rather. Uh, the top two teams from the Futures League will be moving up next year into the Prodigy League. So for those teams in the bottom of the Prodigy League, they'll be moving down to the Futures League. So it's all very, very exciting. Um, 
I am very much looking forward to checking out how this is going to finish. Yeah, I uh, I haven't been following it all that closely just because, like I said, uh, all these all these wannabes. I don't, I'm not really super interested in that. They're not on my level yet, so why should I care? My God. Um, <laughs> Watch Ben Shank come in. I'm going to keep piling Dominate <laughs> both of us. Neither of us yeah, make it into the legacy Neither of us is going to make it to Legacy League. Well, I mean, only one of us could, since we're playing each other. Only one of us is going to get to go, or get the chance to go. Yeah. Unfortunate. Isn't it? And then Unfortunate. Ben's, Ben's going to come up you. and destroy both of us. Yeah, he's going to avenge uh, all of his future League uh, league mates for all the, all the smack I've been talking. I deserve it. And you know what? It's all good. So, uh, I would just like to... Bring in some breaking news here. Um, we there is a new um, rookie leader in home runs for the for 2018, and that is going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. My man, another one. My man, that's number 21 for Mr. Acuna there, and he will not stop. Damn. Somewhere, uh, Jose Urena is sharpening his uh, Bowie knife. He's getting ready to take him out. He's getting ready to finish the job. Don't even get me started. Don't <laughs> get me started. When that happened, I yeah. was fuming. I have not been that angry since the infield fly call. Baseball has not made me that upset since that moment. And I was livid. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you were alone. I seemed pretty much everybody was outraged about it. Although Jeff Davis, uh, one of our writers, had a pretty hot take on the Discord channel saying that he didn't think Urena was uh, was throwing at Acuna, which, um, yeah, I mean, that's it's obviously you can't say either way for sure, a hundred percent that he was or not. But it just, I was saying, you know, the optics of it just were not good. First pitch fastball right at him. Yep. Yeah. That's so, all but... I want to say on that before, because uh, you know we are uh, we are a family show here. <laughs> I don't want to get started. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, that's kind of an overview of where we're at in our uh, pitcher list staff leagues. You can read the uh, staff review we have written every week. I was doing it for a while. And then I had to give it up, and now I believe Dave Sherman is the one that's writing that every week, and he's doing a great job, as I knew he would. So, uh, well done there, Dave. Um, let's see. Before we move on to our questions here, let's just uh, make some predictions. I don't want to – I'd love to make predictions on the legacy and futures. I don't know that I want to for ours because, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to win it all. I'm going to win it all. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, you're my pick too. Actually, I'm picking you to go all the way, even though we're facing off right now. I, I think you, I think you got it. No pressure or anything. I just need Trout back. With, with yeah. Trout out. That that really sealed my fate of losing that buy. But man, I, I've had a good year. I don't want to like jinx myself here. I am. I'm knocking on my wooden ceiling at the moment. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, you're jinx-proof over there. You're you're surrounded by wood. For those you guys who, can't see it, but yeah. yeah, his attic is completely covered in wood. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm up in my attic room. It's where I do all my recording, and uh, <laughs> it's 
we've kind of got our house is like a log cabin sort of feel and so the ceiling is all like this cedar wood planking it's kind of pretty but it's a uh, so there you go. I'm I'm knocking on it. I've got plenty of wood to knock upon. Yeah. Um, just <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, I'm giving all my my energy to Mike Trout. Uh, I just need him to come in like Goku with a spirit bomb. That's all I need. <laughs> well, time's running out. I, I don't know if he's going to make it. I don't know if he's going to make it in time. Please, Mike. You're my only hope. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for the Legacy League... All right, who do you got winning it all? Uh, I like Alex Fast's team. I just think, uh, yeah, he's got a lot going for him. Uh, unfortunately, my internet is completely dead right now, so I can't actually look. But, uh, yeah, I just remember going over his roster. I just think he's he's really balanced. Unfortunately, I think he lost uh, Chris Sale recently to the DL, but um, he should be back in time for the playoffs for that, for that league. And, uh yeah, I think I think Alex has got the best team over there. So I'm looking at fast roster here, just so we can highlight a little bit. He's got Acuna Jr. He's got uh, Bregman, Xander Bogarts, Christian Yelich. He's got a stacked offense over on his pitching. It's a little weaker. He's got John Gray right now, Garrett Cole, um, Patrick Corbin. So there's some solid guys in there. But yeah, once he gets Sale back, he's going to be in great shape. That is not my pick, though. I'm going to go with Ben Palmer. I like Ben's team a lot. Um, he's got uh, Daniel Murphy, Jose Altuve, uh, Mookie Betts. Uh, Ian Desmond's been hot recently. And uh, on the pitching end, he's got, uh, well, Luis Severino, if he ever comes around. Um, but he's got Edwin Diaz over there. Uh, Nick Pavetta, if he ever comes around. Luis Castillo, if he ever comes around. And he, so he's got these pitchers who have really kind of had up and down years. And he's still got one of the best records in the league. So if those guys are all clicking at the same time, I don't think there's any way that anyone stops Ben Palmer's team in the playoffs. Yeah, I think uh, it's uh, it's a lot tighter, I think, in, in the Legacy League. I think there's a lot of teams at the top who, who could easily sneak their way to the championship. Um, you know, in our league, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw a little more shade on, uh, on um, Jay Dunbar and... Uh, the other the other guy competing over there but yeah i think i think me you uh kv and miles are the top four i think we're the uh we're the favorites to win that league i so i, I think, think that's more shade towards jeff davis my goodness <laughs> like i know I you disagree with his acuna take but still yeah <laughs> i don't know. Well, what can i say you know i i speak i speak from the heart fair enough all right let's check out that uh futures league who do you got winning it? Uh, I like Ben Chang. Uh, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go with the favorite. Um, yeah, I just think. I don't know. I, you know, when I look at it a little bit closer, his his pitching could probably be his downfall, just because uh, he lost Ross Stripling to the DL, and it seems like they actually might move him to the bullpen uh, for the rest of the year. So that's kind of like an unfortunate turn because he was having such a dominant season as a starter um but yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna ride the favorite and go with ben chang solid what about you who you got oh man i i think i might have to agree with you on that one ben's been hot all year he's still got that great offense that we talked about and i think uh i think he's got what it takes to pull it out so 
we'll Let's see go how, Ben. We'll see how it goes. Good luck, Ben. Um, you know what? You're going to be playing with at least one of us in the Prodigy League next year. Probably yeah, both you're of gonna, us. <laughs> you're going to give me a sound whipping uh, for what I said earlier. Oh, boy. As will Jeff Davis, probably. I bet I'm going to win, face Jeff Davis in the finals, and get absolutely crushed by him. That would be As I should. Poetic. I deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that covers our Staff League chat. That was a great time. So let's go ahead and get to our mailbag here. So like I said, a big portion of our podcast here is we want to answer your questions. So if you got questions for us, you can send them to our email, community at pitcherlist.com. Or tweet them to me at Bristowski. We'd be happy to grade your trades, offer analysis on any player you've been wondering about, or answer any number of other inquiries. And it doesn't all have to be baseball. We like to do those, these like fun, off-topic things as well. I know we've got a couple of those in here. Let's get into it. All right, man. First one is from Dan Berman. Dan wants to know, how do you feel about Jeff McNeil for the rest of 2018? Uh, I'm a big fan. I uh, I wrote about him a little bit on one of my recent Batters Box uh, articles after he went four for four. Uh, I just, you know, watching him, I feel like there's a lot. His hit tool seems to be legit. He's He has over 100 plate appearances under his belt right now. Um, he's striking out around 10% of the time, which the last I checked would rank him, I think, eighth in baseball if he had the uh, qualified number of at-bats. Um, so he's making a ton of contact. Um, he's hitting the ball up the middle about 42% of the time and then going to left and right field pretty evenly. So he spreads the ball all over the field, which is great. Uh, he's making a good amount of hard contact, which uh, is promising. Um, still, I still think the jury is kind of out on whether the power he showed in the minor leagues is going to show up because... You know, this is a guy who hit, I think it was 18 or 19 home runs uh, in about 88 games in the minors prior to his call up. So uh, he kind of broke out big time. And, and you know, you, you get all these stories about about players sometimes about how they're, you know, in the best shape of their life um, or, you know, they put on all this muscle or whatever. And, you know, Jeff McNeil actually has one of those stories. They said he put on 30 pounds of muscle in the offseason so uh that was how they explained the power in the minor leagues i i really do wonder whether that's going to translate to the major leagues um but it'll be interesting to see that like i said the hit tool is totally legit i could easily see him hitting uh 280 or above um and down the stretch i think he he's going to be a big batting average asset if that's something you need in the final month of the season so yeah i'm all in on jeff mcneil uh, big fan. I don't know if you've seen any of his at bats or have any thoughts on uh, on him. Um, so I haven't seen him play. I've seen the video of his weird funky bat that has no knob, um, mm. which that's kind of fun. I love I love it when baseball players are weird like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I was I was listening to you talk about you know his um, power surge in the minors, and I thought to myself, well, aren't isn't there AAA affiliates, Las Vegas, and that's one of the best hitting environments in baseball. But then I went and looked. He hit 14 home runs at AA Binghamton, which, as mm. far as I know, is a pretty neutral uh, ballpark. So, sure, okay, that's <laughs> I'm kind of in. I am I'm kind of here for it. So, all right, Jeff McNeil, I'm paying attention now. I'm paying attention. I like it. <laughs> um, the only thing I wish I would I could see here with his kind of batting profile as far as you know how hard he's hitting the ball, 
He's got mm-hmm. his soft contact super low. I love it. Sixteen point and a half percent hard uh, soft contact, and but he's got a really high medium contact at forty eight percent. The thing I'd like to see from him a little bit more with that kind of uh, quality of contact, I'd like to see him hit the ball for line drives more often. He's hitting the ball on the ground forty one percent of the time and in the air thirty seven percent, leaving only twenty percent for his line drive rate. And I think if he really wants to be this kind of spray slap hitter that he's kind of getting himself into right now with a high average and low walks because he doesn't walk ever, uh, I really would like to see more line drives. However, you know what? I think he's basically got the job locked down for the rest of the year. So if you need consistent at-bats, you're in a deeper league, you need some help with batting average, this seems like a decent shot. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a great point. Like the... Usually when I'm looking at um, the batted ball profile with ground balls, 42% is kind of my cutoff. If it's above 42, then, you know, I start to think that maybe ground balls could be an issue and could hold back his batting average. But, um, yeah, 41 is really just kind of on that line right there. So, you know, to your point, I think he should try elevating the ball a bit more, especially if he's going to be translating that minor league power over to the major leagues. Um, but yeah, I, I just love guys with like a really good hit tool, guys who make a ton of contact. Um, you know, his walk rate is is solid so far this year, so he seems to have a decent understanding of the zone. I think that's going to probably improve as he gets more uh, major league looks. So yeah, I'm I'm high on Jeff McNeil for for the rest of 2018. I I said in the batter's box article, he sounds like he works in a bottle cap factory in Kalamazoo. And it's kind of true. Like that's that's not a very flashy name, but um, you know, I think that kind of creates an opportunity for you to grab him because people are just like, ah, Jeff McNeil, this guy's just a Joe Schmo. He ain't gonna do nothing. I dig it. Yeah, great, a great opportunity. I know I've heard of that. Um, there's like a tax for like legitimately. This this is a real thing in fantasy baseball. It's more of a psychological thing where there's a tax on players who have very memorable names. Bryce Harper. Um, is the best example. That's a great baseball name, Bryce Harper. But mm. for guys like um, Jeff McNeil or, um, oh gosh, who's the one that's the best example? Um, I'm blanking Joe on Joe Smith? Joe Smith, <laughs> exactly. Um, for guys like that, it's it's people look over them. Legitimately, it's a thing that happens is people won't think they will be as good because they're not, they don't, you know, stand out in their mind. Like people will be trying to come up with who they want to draft and stuff like that. And if your name is Jeff McNeil, Joe Smith, or even, you know, Jose Ramirez, that is such a common, common name. And it sounds like a cookie cutter name that out of the park baseball came up with that (laughs) a lot of people, even just before this season, look, looked over him. And I think he that's why he was such a great value coming in. And also, he's amazing. So, yeah, yeah, I, that's I absolutely agree. Like, that's something that I observe a lot in my leagues is that guys who have more boring names tend to be slower on the uptake in terms of people adding them just because for whatever reason, they don't seem to think they're legit um, or they're just not attractive to have on your roster. So I agree. That's why David Peralta doesn't get enough respect. That man's amazing. Oh, yeah. Very true. I love me some David Peralta. All right, so we got another one from Dan here. He wants to know, uh, this one's specifically for you, he wants to know if you'll be making any further bets involving a Yankee Zalar name change again. 
I don't know. I don't know if I did that because I lost a bet. I think I did that because I was so incredibly embarrassed and ashamed of uh, the New York Mets that I wanted to escape them in every conceivable way. And one of the ways that I did that was by removing the Mets from my own name. Um, so I think that was the reasoning behind the name change. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, who knows if the Mets end up being as bad as they were earlier in the year again? Absolutely. I might even legally change my last name to Yankees Lar. That I might take that night to the next level. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Just ch- change your last name to baseball so you can literally be Johnny Baseball. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, actually. Although it would it wouldn't really address my Twitter handle issue, which uh, you know Johnny Baseball is more, would be more accurate at that point. True. We're gonna have to work on that, man. We gotta get those Twitter <laughs> handles worked out. All right, so we got one from Adam Garland here, one of our writers who we just had on the podcast. Uh, so he wants to know uh, you you know you yourself are known for your very witty titles for your uh, batter's box articles. There, he wants to know what your top three favorite. Batters box, t- batters box titles is that you've come up with thus far. Uh, this is a tough, tough one for me because you know I spend hours and hours each day really, really stressing over making sure my batters box titles are are primo. Um, but I went over them. I tried to find the ones I was most proud of. Uh, one of them was Leonis and Tigers and Cubs. Oh my! I just. <laughs> I just really like that I that I managed to hit the original saying uh, on each level while also incorporating baseball teams and players. I was very proud of that one. That's good. Uh, the other one was uh, Scooter's World Famous Hot Swings, which is obviously a play on Hooters' World Famous Hot Wings. Very good. I like it. Yeah, very proud of that one. And then, uh, yeah, Ronald Thump. I always I always enjoyed that one because it. <laughs> That, that was for Ronald Acuna, and uh, it gave me so much other material because now I can just make that transition between Ronald Acuna and Donald Trump. And so I, I usually say that Ronald Thump is the president of the United States of America, which I I just always thought was so, so, so fun to say. Um, so yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good ones there. Always, uh, it's always fun to write those articles. I have a really good time with it. So I somehow missed Ronald Thump, and <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's proud. his nickname for me now. That's amazing. that's what I refer to him as, and he's living up to it. He's he's thumping taters out of the park at an alarming rate. So he's so good. Yeah. He's so good. He's so good. And he's on the Braves. <laughs> Lucky you. Which means you're going to Probably play, didn't I know you. Which means you're going to play against Acuna and Soto for the next, yeah, for the the next, next decade. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe I'll uh, make that name change a little earlier than expected. <laughs> <laughs> so our next one here, um, when I asked for questions... Uh, my boy, Josh Patea, was is always happy to send in questions. Uh, it, I, I guess he was feeling a little lazy this time, though. Uh, the question is simply Matt Olson? Question mark. <laughs> I have to correct you, Austin. It's pronounced Josh Botelho. You have to give it that little flair. I. I can maybe do that. <laughs> give it a try. Give it a try. All right, here we. Okay, so one more time. One more time. Josh. 
Botelho. Okay, so we got Josh Botelho. Yeah, uh, yeah. You want to you want to let go of that last O a little softer. Oh, it's, shoot! It's Josh Botelho. He's gonna really enjoy this, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you just want to really just whisper that last syllable. <laughs> so Matt Olson, that's a really easy one to pronounce. <laughs> mm, yeah, I like um, Matt Olson. He I looks like, like Wreck-It Ralph. Did you say he's like I'm all about, Ralph? He looks like him. He probably hits like him too. You're, I mean, you're not wrong. Whenever he makes contact, he absolutely destroys the ball. Is he still leading the league in hard hit rate? I think so. Uh, let me go check. Yeah, I think sure. the last time I checked, it was in like the mid to high 40s, which is just nuts. It's nuts, but man, the, the results have not been there recently, which is super unfortunate because he's the single player that I own in all three of my leagues. Hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't hit more home runs. It seems like he's gotten uh, pretty unlucky this year after absolutely tearing the cover off the ball last season. I thought he would be 40 home runs in the bank. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like he's going to get there, barring some kind of crazy run here in the the final month. So here's what I'm looking at here. I'm looking at Olsen, and you know he's still in the top five in hard hit rate. He's had, hitting the ball hard 48.4% of the time. That's amazing. The league leader is Matt Carpenter at 51.1, which is astronomical. Hmm. Uh, so the one thing that I'm seeing here, so I was like, okay, what's his homer to fly baller? It's a 15.6. That's kind of low, especially for a guy that's hitting the ball as hard as he is, and he's pulling the ball 41% of the time. So that's a little low. Um, I could see him definitely having a few more, you know, soar over the fence uh, here and there. But one thing that I just noticed for the first time that is actually concerning, he has a 15.6% infield fly ball rate. He's popping yeah. the ball up 15% of the time. I didn't realize that until literally just now. His home run to fly ball rate and his infield fly ball rate are identical, and that's not good. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, most people would probably agree that infield fly balls are as good as strikeouts. So uh, you can kind of tack that onto his strikeout rate. And when when you do that, you see that he's losing a lot of potential hits and home runs just by not putting together good at bats. So, um, yeah, I mean, the talent is, is clearly there. Like he he destroys the ball and, you know, technically a 24 percent strikeout rate. It's it's not ideal, but it's not prohibitively bad. You know, it's not. Right. It's not like a Joey Gallo level uh, strikeout rate. Like you can get by, you can post a solid average with that, especially when you're hitting the ball as hard as he is. Uh, usually you'll get a little bit more Babbitt luck and you can kind of boost your, your average up a little higher than than you would normally expect from somebody with a higher strikeout rate. But uh, but yeah, I, there's, I just think he maybe he's, he's getting too, under, he's getting under the ball a little too much and that's what's causing all those infield fly balls, just trying to, you know, hit a 10 run home run every time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see no reason why he's, he can't turn it around at some point. Um, maybe that, that happens next year and he puts it all together. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think there's anything like glaringly wrong with Matt Olson, um, to the point where he's not going to be able to be that 30 to 40 home run guy within a year or so. I 100% agree. Um, mm. Like I said, I own him in every single league I'm in this year, and I'm probably going to try to do the same thing next year. Because, again, I I like his profile. I like how hard he hits the ball. He's huge. 
Mm. And he just hits taters. He's going to wreck it. He's going to wreck it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, you even look at his, like, whiff rate. Like, 11% whiff rate, that's not – that's a percentage point away from the league average, essentially. So it's – you know, the strikeout rate, it's not not necessarily something that – that is going to be an issue for him because he just make a decent amount of contact. 74% contact, that's two or three percentage points away from league average. So, um, yeah, I mean, he makes a good amount of contact. It's just about kind of making sure that his batted balls actually have value. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I'm i still all in on Matt Olson. I'm sure we will have mm-hmm. a podcast at some point on the list where I don't talk about him, but I hope that's not anytime soon. <laughs> All right, so I got a question here from AJ. Uh, you hinted at it earlier. He wants to know, do you think Gio Gonzalez will be a fantasy-relevant pitcher in 2019? Ah, uh, man, words are so subjective. Uh, what what defines fantasy-relevant? Well, let's I say, think... do you think he's going to be ownable and will do good things for your 12-team league if you are <laughs> in if – if we were – Okay, so if we had the same setup next year for the Prodigy League, the 12-team head-to-head categories, do you think he'd be ownable and useful? Uh, ownable, yeah. Uh, I think useful as like an innings eater. Like he, I don't know. I've been out on Geo for a couple of years now. Um, I know that I missed out obviously on last season when he had that amazing year at a 2.96 ERA, but. Um, yeah, even last year, you know, the peripherals of this season aren't all that different from what they were last year when he had that amazing ERA. But you look at the underlying stats, like he, last year he had a FIP that was about a run higher than his ERA. Uh, his ex-FIP was more than a run higher than his ERA at 4.24. Um, so the underlying stats last year, even though the results were great, pointed to him not really pitching to that actual level. And then this year you have the same underlying stats just in terms of like his strikeout rate, his ground ball rate, uh, his home run for fly ball. It's not, there's nothing really standing out a ton other than maybe like a boost in, in the, his BABIP, like some hits, some, some more hits are falling than they did last season. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, he's pitching now like he should have pitched last year and he, he kind of got lucky last year. So I think, He's going to be a guy who's going to have probably a low four ERA uh, and probably give you like eight strikeouts per nine uh, and give you a bad whip with that because he he walks a lot of guys. Uh, control's never been his strong suit. So, yeah, I think if you need a guy to fill out your rotation, like maybe like a number six or seven starter uh, on your roster, I think he's he's fine. But uh, for the most part, I just I, I'm not not a believer, never been a huge fan. So, yeah, I I gotta agree on that one. I've I've never been a big fan of Geo myself. Um, I do want to push back on one thing you said. You said mm-hmm. he'd be useful as an innings eater. I don't know that he's that anymore. Because uh, in 25 starts this year, he's only pitched 133 innings. That's a 5.3 um, inning per start IPS there. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, which, I mean that's uh, that's that happens when you're not getting the results. You get pulled earlier, but. I don't. He's. I don't know. He's just not as useful as that. And yeah, from those inning innings eaters that are kind of you know your Tobies, your guy, your basic guys that you mm-hmm. like to have on your team, you'd like them to be on good teams that are going to get you a lot of wins. And in the past, the Nationals have been that for the last few years. Well, 
They don't have Daniel Murphy now. They aren't going to have Bryce Harper after this year, probably. They seem to be kind of resetting a bit, retooling, if so, if you will. Um, he's only got seven wins this year, and I know I don't want to use win as like a measure of how good he is, but it, it counts in a lot of our fantasy leagues, and that's a thing you're going to want in a lot of those leagues. So if you... Uh, if you're looking for a guy that you can get cheap that will maybe steal you a couple of wins, I'm not sure that's him anymore. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. I, I think I misspoke about the innings. I, I mostly meant just the guy who's going to make most of his starts throughout the year. He's averaged about 30 starts for the last three, four years. Looks like he'll get there for the fourth straight season. But, you know, to your point, that doesn't really have a ton of value if he's going five innings per start. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where the Nationals are next season. I know the GM has said that they're not doing, like, a full rebuild. So, I'm not going to necessarily take that at face value. He's the GM. Of course, he's going to try to inspire hope in the fan base. But, uh, yeah, you know, to your point, he's just probably not going to get you a ton of wins if he's not going deep into games and he's not playing for a great team. So, yeah, all the more reason not to not to be jumping on the Geo bandwagon, although I guess it's pretty empty at this point. Yeah, I I don't know. AJ, if you're, if you're a Geo owner, I'm sorry. Sounds like we're both kind of out on this one. All right, this next one's from some guy. I've got no clue who this guy is. Sounds like a loser. His name is Houston Crisco. I don't know, man. Some weird Texas city, I guess. Is uh, this here alias? Dang it. I've been, I've been ousted. <laughs> Your cover's blown. I've been ousted. That's a hell of an alias, i got to say, though. Houston Crisco. Houston Crisco. <laughs> we should change our names together, and that should be what you go with. Uh, I think I would get it... I think everyone will pronounce that right. <laughs> I'm just spelling it like Crisco, like the like the yeah. lard or whatever. So yeah, there you go. I, I'm gonna go for it. I, I we'll see how my, how my fiance feels about it. Yeah, I'm sure some Mrs. Crisco, oh. <laughs> Mrs. Houston Chris, Crisco. <laughs> she will love every that. girl's dream. <laughs> so Mr. Crisco here uh, wants to know which six pitchers you expect to have the highest ADP in 2019. Um, yeah, I looked at this one, I think, so the question was to rank them in order. Um, I think Scherzer is going to be the number one guy next year. Um, I know that, you know, it's pretty hotly contested between Scherzer and Sale as the, as the one and two. I mean, you could obviously still make a a case for Kershaw, but, um, with his health issues and stuff, he kind of drops down for me. So I think my top six are probably Scherzer, Sale. I'm boosting DeGrom to three. Maybe it's the Mets homer in me, but he's just having such an insane year. Um, I kind of I kind of feel like, yeah, he, he can go there. I think it, it was hard for me to decide between DeGrom and Kershaw for three, but I'm just going to give DeGrom the, the boost there. Uh, Kershaw at four. The last two slots there I had the hardest time with. Uh, I went with Garrett Cole for five and then Kluber six. Um, it hurts to leave Verlander off, but he's no spring chicken. Like he's, I think he's 36 years old now, or he's going to be 36 or 35 next season. So um, I'm not really super confident that he's going to be able to keep lip pitching to this uh, to this level for much longer. So had to drop him out of the top six. So yeah, in summary, Scherzer, Sale, Degrom, Kershaw, Cole, and Kluber for my six. Decent. Uh, this is a yeah. question I've been wondering about. Um... 
because I do a full like top 300-ish. I don't always stick it at 300. It's right around there usually for the off season where I'll rank everyone um, based on uh, how I think they'll they should be drafted in the fantasy uh, season. And I'm starting to I'm really just now starting to look at it, which I know I'm probably doing it too early, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at these things, and I'm, I I kind of agree with you that number one spot is definitely a debate between Scherzer and Sale. Um, and I'm going to agree that I think it's going to be Scherzer uh, in 2019 um, because he's he's out, at this point he's outperforming Sale. Uh, if you look at the ESPN Player Rater, which I know it's that's that's not an end all be all by any means, but um, he's he's beating him in K's. He's he's uh, got a slightly worse ERA and WHIP, but he's he's probably the best pitcher on the planet right now. Um, yeah, and I mean, obviously you can't predict health, but Scherzer is just the last few years have just been like 200 innings in the bank. You know, yeah. uh, he missed some time last year, I think, with, uh, with like a finger, finger issue. Finger, yeah. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, he's just so he's so steady that. And that's what you want with an early round pick. You want a guy who's money in the bank, like we were talking about with Trout earlier. Like, it's just it's just a no brainer because you need to really lock in that value early because later on you're really rolling the dice on a lot of guys. So, I 100 percent agree. And I think that depending on how this shoulder thing goes for sale, I think that there's going to be in the off season everyone gets stuck on one train of thought. It seems, and if they get stuck on that shoulder. Sale might actually fall a little bit in drafts. I, I could I could see Degrom being the third pitch, the second pitcher taken, even like over Sale possibly if the hype train goes crazy. Now I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I still think Sale will go too, uh, but I also have Degrom at three um, because he's he's right there for the best pitcher in baseball. He's amazing. Um, I would I think. Uh, when we did our, you know, pick your, pick your awards before the season, I think I was the only one who picked Degrom for NL Cy Young. So, uh, damn, that's looking good now. What up? Um, <laughs> you look like a genius. I mean, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, I so just, humble. I just got lucky. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll take Scherzer, Sale, Degrom. After that, you're right. It gets real tricky. Um, I think at four. I'm I'm gonna take Kluber, um, Kluber at four, and then I think it'll go Cole and Nola. Oh wow! You don't even have Kershaw in the top six, huh? I don't. I That's think, interesting. I think people will be. I don't know about you, but I am kind of just out on Kershaw. It's too wow. inconsistent. I mm-hmm. I would rather put my eggs in a different basket. And I'm not sure. Here we go. Dodgers fans, hope you're sitting down. I'm not sure in fantasy how much more valuable Clayton Kershaw is than James Paxton at this point. Because with both of them, you have to factor in that DL stint that you are going to have. I don't think you can... For either of them, you can say that you can expect even 150 innings at this point. I think 150 innings would be pretty optimistic for Kershaw next year, honestly. 
Yeah, I uh, I think I'm gonna give Kershaw one more back injury. He gets one more one more back injury before I uh, I start considering it like a chronic thing that I'm gonna stay away from. Like, you know, two years in a row, obviously super concerning, and the fact that it's the same issue with him. Um, and he's a big dude, and he's getting he's not getting any younger. He's losing some life on his fastball. So I think those are all totally valid reasons not to. Uh, not to want to draft Kershaw super high next year. Um, but yeah, those breaking pitches are just so good. I think if he stays healthy, he's going to probably age just because he just has all those tools and he just has such an amazing command. I think he can get away with losing a little on his fastball. But, you know, obviously that's not that's not the issue that you were talking about. If you're mostly concerned with his health. I'm not gonna put him in the Jake's James Paxton category yet. I I just can't do it. That's not that's not right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bet on the skills. You know, with with health and stuff, you just really never know. I I, I I'm really not inclined to to put that tag on a guy after two seasons of of bad injury. So like I said, I think yeah, I'm gonna give Kershaw one more back injury. He gets one more, That's totally and then fair. I'm done. And then you're done. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I'm just I'm a year ahead of you. I think I'm just I'm gonna kind of I think I'm gonna avoid him in drafts. Um, not having him in the top six might be silly as far as ADP goes because I think mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of folks will be in your camp more than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably should slot him in right around four there after Degrom. I think. Yeah, um, I mean. The thing is, you know, you mentioned wins earlier um, with Geo. I that line of thinking kind of has me second guessing my Degrom ranking at third, just because we're seeing it this year. He's not getting any wins. I think he has set. Or I think he has eight now, uh, and his ERA is is hovering around one point five. So, if he's pitching this good and he can't get any wins on that Mets team, I don't know if it's going to be getting any better next year. And I'm not really sure if they're inclined to trade him to another team just based on how valuable he is um so yeah that has me kind of second guessing him at three but i don't know wins are so fickle that i'm okay i guess just purely ranking these guys on skill so there you go yeah it's uh it's always a fun debate on rankings and everything like that um Mm -hmm. i'm very excited uh, to share my rankings with you guys i think i'm going to be posting them throughout the off season i'm going to be having some updates uh hopefully monthly i think is the plan so that you guys can keep up with what i think and uh you can argue with me on where i'm wrong that's my favorite part i i love it when i love debating rankings that's one of my favorite parts of fantasy baseball that's why i even enjoy the off season i yeah baseball year round baby yeah, this is why we do it, you know? It's it's the discussion, it's the debate. It's one more reason that you guys should uh, join the Discord channel. There's a ton of debate on there, uh, so all you baseball nerds can, can get it on. Yeah, buddy. All right, we got another question here. This is from Blake LaWatch. LaWatch? I'm going to go with LaWatch. Uh, that's a bold call. Which one? I'm going to go with LaWatch. LaWatch. so blake wants to know when you see a hitter's k rates and their other metrics that can hint sorry are there other metrics 
that can hint that maybe the K-rate isn't true to who they really are. So is there, what are some underlying metrics that you think would, are more, you know, indicative of a player's true talent besides just their raw strikeout numbers? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's it's pretty basic. I, I'm sure most people look, look for this when they're trying to evaluate a player, but I've kind of moved away from just looking at a guy's strikeout rate in recent years and focused more on their whiff and contact rates. I think that tells you a lot more about uh, how well they see the ball, how much back control they have. Um, obviously, those are pretty surface-level ones. Going a little deeper, I think you can look at a guy's plate discipline. So something like chase rate um, will usually tell you how good he is at recognizing uh, his ability to, to cover the zone. If he, he's swinging mo- mostly at pitches that are in the zone and avoiding pitches that, that fall out of it, I think that shows good zone recognition, and that can usually contribute to a better strikeout rate. Um, and then obviously you have to take into account sample sizes. So, you know, a guy like Jeff McNeil, who we were talking about earlier, you know, he only has a hundred plate appearances under his belt. That's a good amount, but it takes a lot more of a sample size for something like that to stabilize. So if there's a guy that you believe in and he starts off with like a 30% strikeout rate, obviously that's going to be concerning but it's not a reason to necessarily jump ship if you really do believe uh in his overall ability i think you gotta gotta give some of these guys a little bit more time for those numbers to really stabilize um and then yeah going even deeper than that sometimes i'll look at pitch values for uh how they do against different pitches if they're struggling primarily against fastballs that's usually not a good sign um because most guys throw predominantly fastballs so uh, that can be something you can look at, just just the pitches that they struggle against. And if they're pitches that they're going to see a lot of, that usually will indicate that their strikeout rate is probably uh, as legit as it as it's showing up as. So, yeah, those are probably like the main ones that I look at. That was really, really good. And I really I don't have much to add to that. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and give a couple examples here of stuff that I would look at. You know, I. I'm a big proponent when um, looking at hitters especially of checking out their plate discipline numbers. So let's take a look at Andrelton Simmons who is not striking out. He leads the league with a 6% strikeout rate which in today's day and age compared to the average strikeout rate is literally on a level with Tony Gwynn. Like it's amazing that what he's doing in today's day and age where everyone's throwing 97. So I look at Andleton and I go, okay, how is he doing this? Well, he if we look at his O swing or the amount of uh, the percentage of time that he swings at pitches out of the strike zone, he's only swinging at 27% of pitches outside the strike zone. So he's got a pretty good understanding of what's in the zone and what's not. When the pitches are in the zone, he's only swinging at 66% of them. That's still kind of low a swing rate for in the zone. But what's great is his Z contact, his contact rate on pitches in the zone. He makes contact on 94% of the pitches that he swings at in the zone. So anything that is going to be, you know, in the strike zone, he's getting to it and he's making contact and he's at least putting it in play. So uh, his swinging strike rate this year is only 5.1%. So really that 6% K rate is pretty legit for Andrelton Simmons this year, which is kind of nuts. Yeah, he's having an amazing year. Um, 
And with a guy like him, you know, the guys who don't strike out a lot, you tend to find will obviously hit for, for higher averages just because um, their BABIPs will usually, like, I'm looking at Simmons' profile now. His BABIP has hovered around 300 every year of his career. And, uh, you know, over the last few years, he's hit around 280. This year, he's hitting close to 300. So, you know, usually the average will correlate a lot cl- more closely with the BABIP if they're not losing all their at-bats to those strikeouts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's just having an incredible season. Uh, I think you wrote about him in the preseason, right? You were you were pretty high on him coming into to the beginning of this year. Yeah, he and Marcus Simeon were my guys that I wanted. So yeah. they were uh, they were both guys that I was high on, and I ended up getting Anderson. He's, he's been my shortstop for most of the league, most of the year in my Prodigy League team. So he's done well for me. Nothing flashy, but it's been very consistent, high average. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, I wanna I wanna hit a couple more. We just have a few more. We're running a little late, but that's all right. We're going to run a little long on this podcast. People will skip We spent 20 minutes talking about deer, so <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably the big problem. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, so Blake has one more question that you and I both agreed was one. You thought it was one of the hardest questions. I thought it was easily the easiest question on here. Uh, Blake wants to know cake or pie. You know, the whole time we've been talking, I've really been thinking about this question in the back of my mind. I've only really been paying attention to like 20% of what's been said because I really am trying to boil this down to one answer and it's 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 hard, man. I think... No, it's not. I think... I think it's pie. Wow. I think I gotta go pie. Okay, so this is not a hard question. It's pie. It's definitely okay. pie. Okay, I was looking to you to reassure me that I made the right choice. You're, you are 100% correct, my friend. Pie is the way to go. See, here's the thing. I don't really like cake. It's a texture. Mm. Cake Cake has got a weird texture where it's it's kind of like bread, but it's way mushier than bread. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But pie, even if you don't like pie, you can find a pie you like. Yeah, Just eat the that's filling. very true. Just eat the filling and you like it. There's There's so many different kinds of pie. Come on. This isn't even a question. Plus, you get a little fruit in there. You can tackle one of the main food groups. Exactly. You got a little crunchy aspect to it. Yeah, I think the more I think about it, I am leaning pie now. Um, I'm pretty much, I'm cool with anything that pairs well with coffee. So, like, donuts, cake, pie, cookies, you know. Ah, it's like choosing between your children, you know. They're all just so great and different in their own way. It's, you gotta love it. All right, yeah. So you actually had some questions for me. Yeah, uh, I and I love I, these. Yeah, I don't want to go too long. I know you said that we're going long, so I don't want to uh, to waste too much yeah, time on I these. So maybe I'll. Can we just do like the first one or two? Yeah, let's do the first one because I was thinking about this on my way home from work. Uh, so let's say this is more of like a philosophical question. You're walking home one day, uh, you, you get hit in the head by a rock, you wake up, you have amnesia, and you someone comes to you and says, you like baseball, you liked baseball before this horrible accident happened to you, but you don't remember what team you liked. So you get to pick one of the 30 now to follow from that point forward and try to be as objective as you possibly can which team would you follow and please don't say the Braves I know they're exciting I know they're great 
Which team would you follow of the 30? I actually wasn't going to say the Braves. I've got two that are that I think would be in contention. It would either be the Colorado Rockies mm. or the Oakland Athletics. Um, oh. Because both of them, the A's right now are so exciting. They're the they're everyone's underdog this, this year in particular. And they always really have been since Moneyball. Let's all admit it. We all kind of like the A's. Um, yeah. But they're super fun this year. And... I have I've been a pseudo fan of the Rockies for a little bit because who doesn't love seeing dingers? Um, and I mean I I was a big Troy Tulowitzki fan when he was in his prime. Um, I remember owning him on a lot of my very very early fantasy baseball teams that I was involved in, and now oh, yeah. they've got actually good pitchers. I want yeah. the Rockies to win the West. I'm just going to say it. I said it. There it is. I want the Rockies to win the West. I am actively rooting for them to beat both the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks to win the West. We've now just lost about 20% of our fan base here on August. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm team anti-Dodgers. I'm team any team but the Dodgers. So I'm all for the Rockies taking the West this year. Uh, they definitely are a fun team to watch. It's funny that you said the athletics, though, because that was my pick. Um, hey. It's so weird because, like, they're not really good usually, but when they are good, it's super fun and super exciting. Like, I remember being in school when they went on that crazy, like, 20-game winning streak or whatever. Uh, what was that, like, 15 years ago or whatever it was. And, like, you know, this season they're they're tied with the Houston Astros, who were an absolute juggernaut and won the World Series last year. And it's like they have a guy named Nick Martini leading off. Who who even is that? Like You made up that name just now. That's <laughs> <great>. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's just crazy. Like, you know, they're not they, – they play in, like, an abandoned – like an abandoned post-apocalyptic like arena like they they're, they're just such a crazy weird team um and they're not really that good but like when like i said when they are it's just so much fun so yeah i gotta go i gotta go with the athletics there and they wear green yeah they look sharp as hell gotta they give do. them that they really do so yeah i'm gonna go with either the rocks or the a's there i'm uh i think both of those are Seem like and they both they both seem to have solid fan bases too. Like they're, they're oh like yeah, their fans seem to be pretty pretty chill. Yeah, for sure. The the I watched an athletics game the other day and the fans are super into it. They play horns and dress up and bang drums. Like you go to a Mets game and everyone's just crying. They're just <laughs> they're not doing anything else. See, they're just crying silently. You go to a Braves game and you're worried you're going to be scalped because that's. <laughs> Do you guys act, the fans actually do that, huh? They scalp people. I mean, they, that's that's real commitment to the uh, to the brand, isn't it? <laughs> I will say the tomahawk chop is the coolest thing in baseball. That's the that is the coolest like team like fan based thing in baseball. I'm convinced tomahawk chop, all other uh, all other celebrations. Eh. Oof. <laughs> I mean. It's it's not really going up against much. The, how many other teams have uh, you know gestures or, or little dances that they do every game? You know, it's it's kind of on, in a field of its own. It's not really fair to say that that's the best one when there's no competitors. Well, 
get on it, Mets fans. What are you going to do? Go to the opera or something? I don't know. We'll put bags on our heads. That'll be our thing. <laughs> we got in one last Mets jab there. All right, man. Gotta well, do it. You know, we probably should get out of here. I know you and I could yeah. probably chat all night about nothing and everything, but uh, oh yeah, I'm sure there's only like two people that want to listen to that. So <laughs> let's. Uh, yeah, we'll start our own deer podcast. Oh Everyone my gosh, uh, we gotta come up with a on the tail or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it. So, well, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's been a ton of fun. I knew this was going to be a good time. Um, mm. You and I always have a good time when we hang out, so it's been it's been good. Uh, one more time, what's that ridiculous uh, Twitter handle you got going on there? All right, so it's J-O-N underscore E underscore baseball. John Write it down somewhere. E baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Super easy to remember. Right, yeah. Is that was that a dash or a, oh man no I'm <laughs> all right well that will wrap it up for us this week on on the list so for Jonathan Metzlar my name is Austin Bristow a second and this has been on the list. Peace.